0: Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure.
1: Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city.
0: Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. I just had the fascinating conversation with John McConnell, President and CEO of Victoria Gold Corp. John grew up in the mining industry he lived in a town called Emerald City in the Kootenays. It doesn't even exist anymore with a father who was a miner. Having gone grown up in this industry, John has had plenty of experience from working with uh, big companies like De Beers and many other small exploration companies, mostly in northern Canada. John is running Victoria Gold Corp. From the day it was started as a uh, junior miner up to the point now where they're about to launch into becoming a gold producer in the Yukon this guy knows more about gold than pretty much anybody I ever met. Fascinating conversation with John McConnell. Have a listen. Great. Super excited here to have John McConnell, CEO and President of Victoria Gold with me today. John, thanks for coming on to the show. Great to be here. Now, John, uh, you are the President and CEO of Victoria Gold. You guys have a project up in the Yukon, and uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, uh um, I wanted to start off by uh, talking a little bit about the, the gold sector in general um, and you know, want to give some op- opportunity to educate some of the maybe more amateur investors out there about like, what, what does gold investing mean. Uh, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, about your background, we were talking just before the show started, about where you grew up. Now you grew up in a town that doesn't even exist anymore.
1: Yeah. I grew up in a mining town. It was called Emerald city. Yeah. Uh, it was a lead zinc mine. Uh, my dad was, uh, an, an underground
0: electrician there. So, uh, uh, you know, it's in my blood. You're, you're, you're destined for this. Yeah. Where is Emerald? Where was Emerald city? So in the West Kootenays, uh, there's trail and Nelson would be the largest
1: cities and it's kind of in between those two. Okay, uh, right on the uh,
0: Canada-U.S. border. And did you say it was an underground mine? Yes. Okay. Underground. Oh wow! Wow. So it must there was only a, a peop, just a small number of families that lived out in a camp there. What was it? It was, it was a town site. It was a town, so there was okay. probably
1: fifty houses. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. three hundred people with dogs
0: and cats. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up there uh, most of your life, and then. Uh, left left there at some point later to get yeah i
1: you know the mine shut down i think in 1973 yeah the same year i graduated from high school and i went off to uh university and then a couple years later came back and worked in a different mine in that area okay um and was an underground miner for three or four years and thought, I don't want to be doing this my whole life. So <laughs> I went back to university and became a mining engineer. Okay. And where, where
0: did you go to school for that? Uh, Colorado school of mines. Oh, wow. Okay. Is that, is that, uh, a, a kind of a well-known school for people who are in the mine? Yeah. If, you know, I think everybody says their alma mater is uh, the best, but, uh,
1: Colorado school of mines has the reputation of being the best mining school in the world.
0: Yeah. And uh, now, like obviously, there's lots of different types of metals out there. In Victoria, gold, but just by its name, is a gold company. But have you always been involved in specifically gold mining, or uh, you know, other than growing up in a, in a family where it was more around sounds like zinc? But have you have been involved with lots of other different mining types of enterprises? Yeah. So you
1: know, when I graduated, I uh, moved up into Nunavut, okay, to a lead zinc mine called Civic. okay um so I spent the next uh you know more
0: than 12 years working at a zinc lead zinc mine at the same location yeah and wh- whereabouts I mean I'd love to bring it up on a map Ross uh <laughs> whereabouts in Nunavut is this uh the north tip of Baffin Island so the north tip. uh
1: You know, I think the latitude was uh, 73 degrees. So I think the Arctic Circle's at 68. So we were five degrees uh, above the Arctic Circle. Really? Yeah. And you spent 12 years there. Yeah, I think uh, there was a break in between. Spent four years there. Then I worked out of Toronto for four years. And then I went back and was there for eight more
0: years. So you went from Toronto to this place back and forth. Yeah. Like it is a major culture shock, I'm sure, between the two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so have you found it here? Is this the, is this around the right location? John? Yeah. Very
1: top of the island though.
2: What, what was the name of the mine again?
1: Nana civic. How do you spell that?
2: Actually, if you Google Arctic Bay, it'll probably, yeah. That was the
0: nearest Inuit community. Wow. So who owned this mine when you were there working there at the time?
1: Well, it was. You know,
0: interesting ownership because it was
1: a Calgary Jr. called, uh, Mineral Resources International. Okay. But other partners were actually the Canadian government, the federal government, um, Medell shaft, which was a German, uh, base metal smelting company. Okay. Um, yeah, and ownership changed. At a certain point, and then it was owned by a company called Breakwater Resources.
0: Oh, yeah, Breakwater, yeah. 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 So I worked for Breakwater for a number of years as well. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah. I actually knew a few people from Breakwater myself, actually. So uh, I forget the CFO's name at the time, John, I think it was. Uh, but, okay, that's, that's interesting. Now, one of the things I always wonder about is. Yeah, there. You can see where there. exactly where it is there. Yeah, in our, near Arctic Bay. I've always wondered how does somebody find, um, mineral exploration and eventually build out a mine in a place. So like, like, did someone just walk along and sort of, well, this looks like it'd be a good place for a, (laughs) for a mine.
1: Well, you know, I think people knew the general geology. Okay. And, uh, but it was actually found by two prospectors that, uh, I think traveled up from Winnipeg by dog team. (laughs) <laughs> and it was over a three year
0: period and they were the discoverers. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Imagine being that, doing that back in, <laughs> back in the old days. Yeah. So, okay. So that was your kind of first intro and many years of uh, experience getting into this business, uh, of mining after school. Um, what what else did you kind of do before you got into Victoria Gold? Anything else is kind of interesting? Yeah.
1: I mean, then I moved into the diamond business, uh, you know, uh, with a company called Winspear Diamonds. Okay. They found the Snap Lake diamond deposit in the Northwest Territories. Okay. Um, eventually, Winspear got bought out by De Beers. Okay. And I went to work for De Beers and uh, took the uh, Snap Lake. Diamond deposit through permitting, engineering, construction, and into operations. Wow. Then I left uh, De Beers and went to work for a junior called Western Celtic. Okay. And we had the Cucho Creek uh, zinc copper project in northeastern BC that's being developed now. Wow. Um, and we, we actually got bought out by Sherwood Copper now capstone okay and uh you know then i it, and during that period i joined the board of
0: victoria resources oh it was called victoria resources at the yeah. time and and your introduction to the company was by being coming, becoming a board member that's correct okay and uh so you know victoria was an early
1: stage projects in nevada Okay, um, and this was in two thousand and seven, eight, and then we had the big financial collapse in the fall of two thousand and eight. We saw that as an opportunity, and with Kinross's help uh, financially, we went out and acquired two companies. One called Gateway, which gave us more assets in Nevada, and a company called Stratagold, which gave us a uh, Eagle asset in the Yukon. Over the next couple of years, we evaluated those and eventually decided to sell off our Nevada assets and focus on
0: Eagle in the Yukon. Okay. And that's what's brought you to kind of the stage you're at now, right now. That's right. Uh, which is really exciting. Before we get into that, actually, this is a good segue about stages of, of mining because, and I think Victoria Gold's a great example because you're now, at, what stage are you at now in, in Victoria Gold? What would you describe your current stage right now? Well, we're in construction. In construction. Okay. You
1: know, and uh, we're, we're probably 90% complete on construction today, and then mm-hmm. we'll go into operations uh, this summer.
0: Okay. So. Let's go back to the very beginning when these prospectors, let's say for example, went up to uh, the Eagle location. Let's pretend and they went up there and dog sled, and that's uh, they're staking out a claim. What would you? What's that first stage called? Just, <laughs> <is there laughs> well, even for it? in this
1: case, uh, you know, this area was goes back to the Klondike Gold Rush days. Really, you know, most of the focus was south of Dawson in the Klondike. Yeah, but there was also exploration and people out. Uh, prospecting and placer mining in,
0: in our area. Sorry, what's placer mining? What is that? So that's uh, getting the gold out of the gravels. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't really realize what that word meant. I've heard it before, but uh, well, and there's still a very large placer mining industry in the Yukon. Oh, is there? Yeah. Yeah. So, and by the way, Ross, let's bring up on the map Google Maps where the eagle. Uh, it, it's called Eagle Creek. Um, it's near the community of Mayo,
1: and it's called. It's just called Eagle. Oh, Eagle. Okay. And what's community? I think,
0: community of sorry what Mayo, M A Y O, M A Y O. Okay. And um, uh, so, so you've got uh, first stage, which be like staking a claim. Correct. And, and then the next stage would be they call it early staking. well i'd say even before staking you would be out there with a,
1: a pan looking for signs of gold or copper or other mineralization okay all right and okay. once you think you found something then you would stake a claim gotcha and uh, you might do some trenching yeah uh, followed by some diamond drilling okay and uh you know if you It looks more encouraging, like, you know, then you would uh, expand the diamond drilling. Okay. So when we acquired uh, what we refer to as the Dublin Gulch property, which hosts Eagle Deposit, um, it was at what I would call an advanced exploration stage. Okay. And, uh, you know, so there'd probably been 50 drill holes done and there'd been, you know, a lot of mapping and this is not, uh, you know, a new discovery. It probably goes back to, uh, you know, 1980s. Okay. And, uh, so we acquired it. We spent the next eight years developing it, um, more diamond drilling, infill drilling. Uh, environmental baseline data collection, uh, entering the permitting process in the Yukon. Uh, so, you know, that all took us eight years and then it took us a year to put the financing together and roughly a year ago we started construction. So. So this is not a get-rich-quick get program by any means. Well, you know, <laughs> we acquired the property in uh, June of 2009. Yeah. We'll be pouring gold uh, in September of 2019. So as my chairman likes to say, we'll have been a 10-year overnight success.
2: <laughs> and can I ask, you said that construction is about 90% done now? correct and started a year ago so it it takes you know a little bit over a year is that typical a year to from construction start um to it
1: varies you know uh you know some mines take two or three years to build wow. this is a very simple mining operation it's you know an open pit and valley leech so okay not as complicated as the diamond mine we built in uh, the nwt
0: yeah okay um so going back to just one other thing on on staking claims, uh, we had a my uh, another guest on the show a, a couple of weeks ago, Bart Jaworski. I don't know if you know Bart. I don't. know Bart quite well, yeah, actually. Yeah, Bart's great. I had breakfast <laughs> and, with him a few weeks ago. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> so Bart Bart uh, has been he spent a lot of time up in the Yukon and. He was telling me uh, that apparently if you want to stake claims in the Yukon, or at least I don't know if this is the case today, but it it was that you you still, even in sort of the current days, you have to actually physically go up there. and That's correct. Yeah. You actually
1: physically have to put stakes in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Do people do that still, do you think? Well, actually, uh, you
0: you know my wife, Tara, we staked some claims last summer. Did you really? Yeah. So you really got to literally go up there with some, some wood picks and some and some hammers or something? How does that work? No, right. you have to dig a hole and put up the post. Really? And these
1: are big posts. They're yeah. six inch by six inch by eight feet.
0: Wow. <laughs> they want to know you're committed. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. So so you've had lots of experience in uh, mostly northern Canada and, and uh, obviously this project's in the Yukon. What's it like doing business in the Yukon? If you could be Yeah, I honest, think, like a-
1: uh, you know, I think uh, if you were in the mining business, the best jurisdiction in Canada is probably Quebec. Okay. Followed very closely by the Yukon. And why is that? Uh, the regulatory process is understandable. Um, you know, one real big advantage in the yukon is uh land claims have been settled with the first nations okay so you know lots of first nations people uh you know 40 percent of our employees are first nations oh, wow. um but uh you know the yukon has long history of mining going back to the klondike gold rush so yeah. people know mining and more importantly, they know the economic benefits mining brings. So yeah. sure, um, that really helps if you're, you know, when you're going through the permitting process and having settled land claims just means, you know, who you're dealing with, uh,
0: in terms of the first nation. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm assuming that mining is a big part of the Yukon U- economy. Um, not as much as you'd think. Okay. You know, when we go into production later this year, we'll be the
1: only operating mine in the Yukon other than placer mining really yeah oh wow but there's a long history of mining in the Yukon
0: yeah yeah now is gold the only mineral that you will uh, effectively mine from this location or does it are there other minerals that you get as a byproduct or how does that work we'll
1: produce a little bit of silver
0: okay but uh,
1: as I tell people it'll just to ensure we can have a nice Christmas party. It's uh,
0: <laughs> our major production is gold. Okay. So you've had to go through this uh, recent process of doing some financings and you just closed the financing recently. Um, at this point now, uh, what are kind of your biggest challenges ahead? Cause you, you're past the permitting, right? That's why you've got the ability to build a mine now. Yeah, no, you know. Everything is going well. We're mm-hmm. fully
1: permitted. We're, you know, 90% through construction. Uh, we're fully financed. So there are no hurdles yeah. uh, left, you know.
0: Uh, it's mainly well, just execution. It's execution and getting into operations. Yeah. And you've had this experience before from the 12 years you spent at that other location and. Yeah, in both, you know, we took uh, both Civic and Snap
1: Lake into production so
0: yeah now you'd mentioned that this is an open pit mine with this uh, something valley leech valley leech so i'm not really as you can tell just by my questions i'm not much <laughs> of a mining uh, expert what is a valley leech what does that mean so very simple and
1: you know i should also say uh you know we've copied a lot of our designs from kinross's fort knox mine in alaska okay where they also use valley leach okay but basically we've taken a you know um use the geography to our topography to our advantage there's a nice large valley there we've removed all of the organic material and lined it with three liners and we will pile the rock in there then we will put cyanide on cyanide dissolves the gold then the and it runs down to the bottom. We collect it, put it into a gold recovery plant where The, the we, gold falls to the bottom. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And we strip the gold off
0: and then we recycle the cyanide and reuse it. Oh, wow. That's real, wow. That's really, you know, I saw on your video that you've got these phenomenal videos and by the way, should do a little plug for the website uh, where I'm assuming you can see, find the videos I, I found on YouTube, but on your website as well. So what's the victoria gold website uh Vitgoldcorp.com. goldcorp.com and here it is here um and and so i saw this thing being built this it looked like a, almost like a i looked at it, like, it almost looked like a snowboarding tube park that was being built <laughs> <laughs> um and so that what is that black material that's being laid down what is that material? it's a plastic liner it's a pla okay uh, quite a thick liner, actually. Okay. And we do three liners. So Three liners. Okay. So this makes it kind of impermeable so that yeah. obviously you don't want the cyanide, you, you know, and. We don't want it to get into the environment. No. We want to control yeah. it. I I'm imagine that, um, I'm assuming environmental practices were uh, an afterthought 20, 30 years ago, but today it's got to be probably front and center. And I'm assuming it's also somewhat regulated, is it? Or? Oh, very very much regulated, Yeah, uh, you know,
1: it took us five years to get through the per- permitting process in the Yukon and uh, people want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not going to
0: harm the environment and you're going to return the land to the way it was. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, is that, is that a big part of the permitting, just getting all the environmental... Kind of check, checking all those boxes. Is that a big part of what gets you the permit to be able to do what you're doing now? Yeah. I mean, they look at, you know, what your impacts could possibly be, and then you have to mitigate them. I see. Yeah. Um, and what's, what's a tailings pond? What is that? So that's different. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, that's if you're
1: milling the, ore. Okay. So in the case of, uh, what's milling mean? means you grind it down to baby powder oh i see okay and uh then the tailings is what's left over oh okay and so it's in a you know more of a slurry form and uh, eventually it
0: settles out but uh gotcha you're storing it in a large uh pond okay and is and so but you're not doing that you're doing a a different model just yeah, this is a, a valley leach. Valley so leach. We crush the rock, but we yeah. don't mill it. Okay. Okay. And is there was there an option for, I mean what what makes you decide between doing a valley leach versus doing leaching versus virtu, or yeah, I guess leaching. Yeah, it versus yeah. A couple
1: things. One is metallurgy. Okay. So not all deposits are leachable. Okay. And the other is economics. Uh, it obviously it costs more money to grind rock down to baby powder size
0: than it is to crush it to say one inch. Okay. Oh, so it's, I had this envision that when you say crushing it down, I'm still thinking they're like, you know, soccer ball size rocks. This is still crushed down. Pretty, pretty fine. Pretty, pretty fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Um, what about the difference between choosing to do open pit, which is an obvious, uh, like concept versus a, uh, I guess in, what do you call that? An underground mine? Is it yeah.
1: It, and again, it depends on the deposit, uh, depends on the economics. Uh, yeah. in our case, it's a very large deposit and it's very suitable for open pit mining. Yeah. Um, you know, another one could be a vein type deposit and you know, you'd have to mine it by underground
0: means. Okay. Now Ross, if we can go back to that um, map for a moment uh, of the, the location of the Eagle project. And, and if we can look at it in a satellite view, I'd just be really interested to see, like, what could we see from a satellite? I'm assuming the camp, as long as the uh, images are current with Google. Uh, I wonder if we can see what it would look like from a, from a satellite image. That's a good question. I've never tried that. Yeah. So the the community of Mayo is is it really close to the community? About sixty
1: five kilometers to the south, or we're sixty five kilometers to the north to the, of north. the
2: community of Mayo. Okay. It, com- it might be tricky to find on here. Yeah, I think it would be.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, that's really interesting. So with with respect to um, to. Uh, pouring gold. Like what, what, what's involved in that? When you say pour, like do you, are you going to heat up the gold at some point and you actually create bricks right up there? Is that how it Yes. Is? Oh, wow. <laughs> so do you get to like put your little fingerprint on the first brick, you know, kind of like when you're pouring cement? and you. Put no, it I don't, it's pretty hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> What about, uh, infrastructure? How does that work? I mean, that must be a factor in like power and roads and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're very fortunate where we're located.
1: We have a paved highway runs within 40 kilometers of the project site.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we've built an all weather gravel road into Eagle. So we have year round road access. We've just completed uh, a power line, uh, from Eagle out to uh, near Mayo. Okay. And we'll connect into Yukon Energy's power grid, uh, which is 95% hydroelectric power. Wow. Uh, We actually energized the line just yesterday, so... uh, Oh, nice. Yeah. So everybody's got some
2: electricity now. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Wow, that's... Yeah. Is that why you were up there? You were on site this week? Yeah. No, I wasn't up there particularly for that. I try and get up
1: every
0: two weeks to walk around and take it all in. Yeah, wow, it's got to be an exciting time for you right now with this stage. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. Now, you travel a lot with your work, don't you? Yeah, I'm on the road pretty much every
1: week. Wow. Particularly with the construction, you know, as being the CEO of a junior, you've got to be marketing a lot. Okay. And uh, I, every chance I get, I fly up to the Yukon and get up to the mine site so I can see what's going on.
0: And then and then turn around and speak to the the masses that are attending your you know your meetings and whatnot and tell them what's happening. That's right. Okay. So uh, uh, Tara had mentioned to me that you you are like a you are like two million miles now on your. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> well, I've been flying. I think that's over the last ten years on Air Canada. I'm well over two million mile flyer. <laughs> you probably start to get to know the staff there and they probably get to know who you are oh i certainly know some of the uh flight attendants <laughs> They're you like, know, they like oh hello mr me. mcconnell nice to see you again yeah. <laughs> what happens when you get to that i mean i almost i almost uh not sure if i should congratulate you or feel <laughs> sorry for you what happens when you because i always see these people with these tags that say like a hundred thousand kilometers but that's just for that year right yeah so, so do you get any kind of special pen or anything when you (laughs) when you get to two million miles i think when i uh
1: got two million i got a set of bose headphones or something (laughs) (laughs) but uh the other benefit is uh you know when when i became a million mile flyer i got uh elite status for life oh wow and when i got to $2 Two million, I was able to give Tara elite status for life. Well, she
0: probably deserves it. Yeah, you traveling that much? <laughs> <laughs> they should probably give it to the spouse first. Oh, she travels yeah. with me a lot. So yeah. uh, we try and
1: uh, she comes along with me, and you know our five-year-old. Yeah, she's probably done in excess of three hundred flights since she
0: was born. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah she's going to be, uh, she'll be up there soon too. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, great. Well, uh, John, we'll we'll come back here in a minute. Uh, Really happy to have you here on the show today. And uh, we'll, we'll carry on our conversation with John McConnell in just a minute. Great. So back here with John McConnell, president and CEO of Victoria Gold. John, thanks for being here. Uh, So you're working on this project right now. You're hoping to pour gold uh, later on this fall. Do you have other projects you're working on right now with respect to Victoria Gold? No,
1: 100% of my time and focus of my team is on getting Eagle built. You know, uh, you're not the first person that asked that question. You know, now we're almost in production. Everybody says, well, what's next? What's next? Yeah. Well, we've got at least another 12 months of hard work to get this one up and running properly. So, uh, it's gotta be our focus.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. It's like when you get married and the first question you get asked the day after you get married is when are you having kids? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really exciting. So, um, let's talk a little bit about numbers. Um, what does it cost to build a mine like this? So in round numbers, the capital cost is 500 million. 500 million. Wow. That's amazing. How, how much money has been, sp- before you even started construction, like if you look at all the work and I don't even know if you know this number, but how much money do you think was spent from the days when you started with, as a director at Victoria, it wasn't even called Victoria Gold, it was called Victoria Resources, Resources and all that exploration kind of activity and drilling and all the 10 years of what you went through, what, what kind of dollars do you think were spent to get to where you're at today? Roughly about uh, somewhere between 130 and
1: 150 million. Wow! And you know, I say roughly because it depends on you, you include oh. Victoria G and A in that, or just the amount
0: of money that was spent on mm-hmm. the development. Right, right, because you have other projects and things. Yeah. That, okay, so let's call it 130 million, and now it's another 500 million to build. Yeah. So you're into this thing for 630 million, and Based on what where, where, what are what are gold prices at right now? Do you even know? Yeah, well, gold trades. I would uh, hope you know <laughs> today. It's uh, I don't know I think twelve seventy six. Okay, in U.S. dollars. U.S. dollars. Twelve seventy six. And uh, so, what kind of total revenue will you expect to generate from this project? Well, again, just to use nice round numbers yeah. to make it easy. Uh,
1: you know, we'll produce an ounce of gold, it'll cost us seven hundred and fifty dollars US. Okay. In all of our economics analysis, we use twelve fifty gold as the price. Okay. So twelve fifty minus seven fifty is a five hundred dollar ounce margin. Okay. We produce two hundred thousand ounces of gold per year. Yes. So this little company
0: will be cash flowing hundred million dollars a year. In full production. After when you say cash flow, and you mean basically sort of gross, sort of gross profits after that cost, those cost of pulling that. That's right. Wow, hundred million, and then and how many years do you think you can do this for? Well, the feasibility study mine life
1: is just under eleven years. Okay, Um, but we continue to do exploration. The deposit is open below the currently planned open pit. Okay, so my gut tells me this mine will run for. 20 to 30 years.
0: Oh wow. That's a long time. You going to be there for the whole thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> this has got to be I would assume though that this has got to be a pretty big accomplishment as somebody in your industry who spent your entire life in mining to get on involved in a junior and see it all the way through to where you're actually producing. I mean that's not is that a very common thing? No, I think it's probably very rare that, you know, one you stick around for the
1: ten years of, you know, banging your head against the wall in permitting processes. And, you know, as we said, it costs, say, a hundred and thirty million. So, you know, you have to uh hit the markets pretty regularly to raise that money just then to go out and raise another five hundred million to build it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it's very common. Yeah.
0: Well. And that's why you rarely see juniors building a mine. Yeah, sure. Okay, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you, a lot of times, I guess once they've got that big find, uh, so to say, you speak. You they, I guess sell sell to like a bigger mining company. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any uh, other partners, uh, management, or board who've kind of been with you most of the way through this journey?
1: Well, actually yes. Uh my CFO, a uh, fellow named Marty Rendell. Yeah. He's been with me for probably 25 years now. Three different companies. Wow. First met at Breakwater and then we were together at, at De Beers and now we're together at Victoria. Um and when we acquired uh Stratagold in 2000 and the Dublin Gulch property in 2009, One of the employees was a fellow named Mark Aranto. Okay. And he's, uh, I'm fortunate I have two two ICs in those two men. What's uh, an IC? uh, Second in command. Oh, IC. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, they've been with me the whole time. And the chairman of our board, he and I joined the Victoria Board at the same time, a fellow named Sean Harvey. Oh, wow. So, you know, the. Four of us
0: have uh, been together at Victoria for more than 10 years now. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, Victoria gold has, has it always been a public company since you joined the board? Yeah. Um, I, you know,
1: I don't know exactly when it was listed, but Uh I think it was 2004.
0: And, uh, what was its market cap? Do you remember when you joined? Oh, good question. Um. Probably around 20 million. And the market cap today? Just under 400 million. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. And so what's the share price at roughly right now? Yeah, I, I think it's about 45 cents. Yeah. Okay. Was there ever a point between when you joined and now where it, things did not look good? Oh, yeah.
1: Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, three years ago, the price of gold was down to $1,100. Our share price was 10 cents. And. You know, um, it didn't look like there would be an opportunity to raise the money and build the mine. It didn't look like there'd be enough money, you know, an opportunity to raise uh, $5 million to keep the project advancing. Wow. So that's the, the junior mining business. Why would you want to do this for a living? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... It, you gotta, you gotta love it Yeah, and, or else you should become an accountant yeah. or, uh, <laughs> you know, I was at the optometrist this morning and I was thinking that's gotta be the most boring job in the world being an
0: optometrist. <laughs> well, they get paid really well right now, but now, now with all the advances in technology, um, we've got on your website here, your, your team. Now there's a bunch of fellows standing inside a big bucket. This is incredible. You get to have some big toys around, huh? Yeah, we've got two very large shovels. Uh so the
1: capacity of that bucket is, you know, what does it look like? Ten directors or <laughs> uh fifty tons of rock. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that particular shovel, it's Caterpillar sixty forty shovel. Uh the engine is uh two thousand horsepower and it roughly burns two thousand liters of fuel a day. So <laughs> it's, it's a Massive shovel. Wow. That's it was incredible. built in uh, Germany. Yes. Then disassembled, put on a ship to Halifax, and then the parts were loaded on trucks and trucked across Canada and up to the Yukon where we reassembled them.
2: That's incredible. Yeah. Do, do you, you know how much a, a machine like this would cost? Uh, about 30 million US.
1: For a No, tru- that's not, that's not true. Sorry. It's about 11 million US
0: each of the shovels well that's just the shovel yeah just the shovel that's an expensive shovel <laughs> that's incredible um do we have any other pictures on here that we might uh, have a look at I, I saw there was i know in the video they're showing these trucks driving around this the shovel obviously is being held by one of these massive trucks are these the trucks that have these huge wheels that are like bigger than taller like they're like seven feet tall and yeah, here's a good image of one
2: yeah, that's the shovel there. Yeah. So when you say shovel, are you referring to just the bucket or no? The whole, the whole machine thing is a shovel, the whole right? Machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. thing. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Okay. There was one more question I had in the video here. There's that huge, uh, the blast. Yeah. Oh yeah. What, what's the purpose of the blast? Is that is that how you guys get down and dig below? Like, is or why why well, are you blast? That's blasting the ore.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was really that's a cool video yeah like i, I was saying earlier I, f- I feel like uh you make me feel like i'm a rock star when i'm watching this uh it's like yeah, there yeah there's the video of this yeah, what's the, the white powder being pushed so down that's host- uh the blasting agent which is ammonia nitrate okay uh um, there's the blast yeah, there's the blast there. yeah that's got to be pretty. F- do you get to press the? Do you get to press that button? I haven't had that opportunity yet, actually. But
2: uh, you got to put your I've foot d- down there. That's got to be. it uh, has
0: got to be something. I've done lots of blasting, so oh, okay, all right, yeah. So There's we, the shovel there. Yeah, that's incredible. Big set of stairs going up to the top. That's inside the shovel. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier when I asked you why would you get into this business, you got to kind of love it. You got to be. What are some of the things about this? industry that makes you love it so much? Why? I mean, I obviously grew up in it with the, your, your father, but what is it something when you sort of sit back and look at it, what do you love the most about being in this industry?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm an engineer and, uh, you know, I always said that if I can't look back at the past week and say I learned something new, it's time to move on to another job. Okay. And I've never had that experience yet in the mining business because uh, you know, there's so many types of, of mining both, you know, underground open pit. There's, you know, many, as we discussed earlier, many different uh, uh, minerals, you know, I've been fortunate to work in lead, zinc, copper, gold, diamonds. Uh, so it's you know
0: it's just a fascinating business wow are there any uh, particular mineral types with all the experience you've had that like let's say this gets wrapped up and uh, you're on to your next part of your career Um, assuming you want to continue to work and, uh, would there be any mineral type you'd say, I'm never going to work in that space again, or any jurisdiction in the world where you wouldn't work? Uh, no, I mean, well, there's jurisdictions.
1: I wouldn't want to work, you know, I spent uh, a couple of years in Zimbabwe and you know, uh, some of the African countries have no appeal to me. Yeah. Um,
0: Probably quite dangerous. I would you imagine.
1: know, we had a project once in Guyana in South America and, you know, beautiful country, but they've got be- beetles, the size of your fist. And that kind of creeped me out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know? Um, so, you know, I'm very comfortable in Canada, in North America in general. I, I fascinated by the gold business. Yeah. Um. But, uh, even more fascinated by the diamond business, I always thought it was very interesting because, uh, you know, uh, De Beers is really a marketing company, not a diamond mining company.
0: Yeah. Don't they have like a huge
1: market share? Yeah. I think they probably still have more than 50% of
0: the diamond business. It's incredible. Yeah. I heard someone once say that uh, when it comes to diamond mining, you know, that, that phrase diamonds last forever, I heard the term once say diamonds take forever. <laughs> well, and, you know, the other one I like
1: is, uh, um, you know, we've been very fortunate in Canada in finding diamond deposits, although I think we're down to two, di- three diamond mines operating left in Canada now. But that, you know, finding a... Kimberlite pipe is like looking for a specific needle in a haystack of needles.
0: <laughs> wow. Now th- th- there's a, uh, when it comes to diamonds produced in Canada, isn't there some kind of appeal because they're not considered blood diamonds? Uh, I I, or is that, is again, is that part of the whole marketing s- shtick?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you
0: know, there,
1: you know, there were a few movies that made uh blood diamonds yeah Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio right but you know I think most 99 percent of diamonds are mined properly properly and there's proper chain of command so you know where it came from yeah
0: um so yeah or chain of custody yeah yeah chain of custody up in the Yukon, where you're at, are there? Uh, is you mentioned the beetles in Guyana, but I gotta think that what about grizzlies? And is there? Are, do you see wildlife much? Or? Yeah, we
1: see black bears, brown bears, grizzly bears, uh, lots of moose in the Yukon. Really? Um, you know, elk, deer, lots of uh, beavers. Yeah, you know? but uh, you know, bears generally don't like man. So, and you know. They'll head over to the other side of the hill. Okay. Now the moose quite often we see moose around Eagle because they also know that wolves don't like, um, man, but so they're quite comfortable. The moose coming in very close to our camp. Really? And they know
0: that the wolves won't follow them. I didn't even know that wolves hunted moose. Oh yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I, I had no idea. <laughs> so you get a lot of moose around. Well, and grizzly bear hunk moose too. Okay. Yeah. Is it fair to say that you're probably employing more people right now through the construction period and then there'll be, but there'll be still some permanent employees year round for the ongoing.
1: Yeah. Production? I would say the workforce right now, the construction workforce is pr- roughly 700.
0: Oh, 700 people.
1: Yeah. With,
0: you know, 400 on site today. Wow, but the town uh, of Mayo must like, is there a general <laughs> store in Mayo? There is. He, that owner must be real happy with you. Well, you know, most of our people don't even stop in Mayo. Oh, I see.
1: And, you know, we have a big camp at site. So most people live right at camp. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, but there, you know, there are some interesting stats, uh, you know, of those 700 right now, as I said, 50% are from the Yukon. Okay. Um, 50% are first nations. Okay, great. And the real interesting stat for me, because I've got a daughter, is that uh, more than 30% of the workers are women. Really? And that's everywhere from mining engineers, geologists. Uh, When I was up there uh, this week, I met two lady journeyman electricians. Well, that's great. You know, the women driving trucks, uh, that big shovel we
0: talked about. We have a lady training to... You know, run that big shovel. Oh, that's great. Wow, yeah. that's 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 neat. That's nice to see. I agree with I've got as you know, I have two daughters as well, so it's uh nice to know that there's uh other opportunities out there for them than uh than just being what you know, the old days nurses and teachers.
1: Well, even you know, 15 years ago, you'd go to a mine construction site uh-huh. and you might have you know less than 3% women and
0: they were working in the kitchen. They were, Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, in order to get to the Eagle Project, if somebody wanted to just go out and drive there and visit it, you know, I'm, I'm joking, of course, I don't know if you get that. too many people would be that adventurous, but so you got to fly into uh, where, to to Dawson City? or No, we have really good flight connections. So okay. I can get
1: on a flight here in the morning at uh, 11 a.m. from Vancouver to Whitehorse. Okay. Connect up to Mayo, and I can be. Oh, you can
0: fly into Mayo?
1: Yeah, there's seven SCED flights a week from Whitehorse to Mayo. Really? Yeah. And uh, then it's about an hour drive to site. So I leave at 11. Oh. I'm on site for dinner that evening.
0: Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. So I guess if Mayo's got direct flights between Whitehorse and, and Mayo, that, does Mayo kind of a hub for some uh, many other smaller communities in that area? Yeah,
1: there's uh, another mine development there. A company called uh, Alexco Resources is uh, going through the permitting process for a silver mine right now. Yeah. Um, there's probably 20 placer mine operations in the area. And then there's a lot of government people that, you know, uh, provide services. There's a you know, a nursing station
0: in Mayo, uh, that sort of thing. So. Okay. Speaking of government, I'm assuming that they've got to get a piece of the revenue from this as well. What, how does that work with respect to, I don't know, taxes or royalties? Is there any kind of uh, uh revenue for the Yukon government? Not so much for the Yukon government, but for the
1: federal government, it's all on crown land. Oh, I see. Um, but then there are transfer payments from the federal government back to the Yukon government based on the number of people that live in the Yukon. So, you know, by us, uh, you know, employing 400 people, uh, there'll be a lot
0: more people living in the Yukon and paying taxes and Oh, I see. That's how it works. Okay, yeah. that's sort of a macroeconomic system. What what kind of royalties or how, is it? Are they considered royalties that you pay the federal government or how does it it's work? It's not really a royalty. Oh. Um, what do they call it? It's it's more of a tax. A Justin
1: Trudeau tax. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know we'll be paying carbon tax just like the, everybody else. Okay.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So what what's uh, what does that amount to? Is it a fairly big number? Do you no, any? it's not a huge number. Okay. but it's another tax. They just in one more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else, John? You want to tell us about with uh, Victoria Gold? No, I think we've done a pretty good job of telling the story here. Yeah. Well, it's pretty. It's a neat story, and again, I think it's just. I think it's really interesting to see a guy who's been able to take it. With your team like not just you but with you mentioned marty who i've met before and your other two colleagues and go from a like an exploration play all the way out to this and who knows what the future will hold yeah yeah well john mcconnell thanks for coming on the show today it was really great having you here and i learned a lot more about uh gold mining in the yukon and and Victoria Golden, I really appreciate your time. Well, you're going to have to bring your daughters up for a visit. 100% would love (laughs) to do so. (laughs) All right. Great.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, 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 Josh. Yeah.
2: No problem.